Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, an assistant pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. On today's program, we turn our attention to the mission field of Australia, and my guest to discuss the work of evangelism and church planting down under is missionary Philip Gaddis. Brother Gaddis is sent out of the same church where I've served as an assistant for the last three years, Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, pastored by Brother Ron Ralph. As of this recording, Cornerstone has 13 foreign missionaries either serving or headed to serve in nine different countries around the world. Brother Gaddis was really the first of Cornerstone's homegrown foreign missionaries. In this first part of our two-part interview, Brother Gaddis tells us a little bit about how the Lord got him from Riddleton, Tennessee, to the country of Australia, the dramatic contrast in the reception to the gospel that he encountered when he got there, and some of the challenges that he faced which eventually led him to the city of Sydney, where he has established Cornerstone Baptist Church of Sydney, a work grown largely through public ministry. I hope you enjoy this first half of my two-part interview with missionary Philip Gaddis. Brother Gaddis, uh, Sydney, Australia is a sprawling metropolis, a world away from where you are from uh, originally here in rural middle Tennessee. Is, I, I guess that's where you're from. I've never heard the whole story, but um, I want to talk to you today about evangelism, public ministry, church planting, and the, and the, the spirit and the challenges of, of the field of Australia but it might help our listeners if you can start by telling us a little bit about how you got from here in Tennessee, Cornerstone, all the way to Cornerstone in Sydney, Australia. So how did God get missions in your heart and how did the Lord direct you to that part of the world? All right. That's a good question. Well, uh, of course, I got saved when I was younger and uh, my wife and I began looking for a Bible-believing church after we got married and we made our way to Cornerstone Baptist Church. Well, what they used to have on the back wall, they used to have like a map and they had all these pins on where all the missionaries were. And uh, anyway, one day it's kind of funny. My wife and I were looking at that map and we had, for instance, Papua New Guinea and all these places had so many pigs uh, inside of there. You couldn't hardly see the actual island. And then we looked at Australia, it had one little peg in it, and, and Mandy said, wouldn't that be funny if God called called you to go there? And I just put that out of my mind, but that's just looking back, that's something I think that may have started something in my heart and mind. And of course, Cornerstone being very mission-minded, my mind began to think about mission. Well, God called me to preach. Well, after he called me to preach, I began preaching wherever I could preach. And normally that was in the jails. And Brother Ron allowed me to teach a Sunday school class. And then one day I was praying and uh, and the Lord put on my heart, pressed on my heart to come to Australia. I can't mm-hmm. explain all that to you. This is just what happened. God put on my heart to come to Australia. And I didn't really know anything about Australia at all. Uh, I didn't know any missionaries there at the time. I didn't really know uh, much about the, the the country at all, really. And uh, I went to Brother Ron, and Brother Ron asked me, "Well, why Australia? Why not Austria?" <laughs> and uh, which is a good question. I'm glad he did that 
And, uh, and so uh, as he began to ask me those questions, he said, now, if I was you, I would go home and, uh, and I would ask the Lord to confirm that through his word, through the word of God. And uh, don't be looking for something. Just read it in your normal uh, Bible reading. And uh, so I just, that's what I did. So I went home, began to pray. And, uh, and as I began to pray the, and read my Bible, the Lord did indeed press upon my heart um, to come to Australia. And uh, he showed me several passages. See, it's a little bit of a long story, but basically when we joined the church, um, we lived in a, in, a, in a trailer court at the time. And my wife comes from a farm. I come from a very poor background. And so I'm used to that kind of lifestyle to some degree uh, and not having my own place type deal. Well, my wife, uh, we began to pray that God give us a place. Well, so that I could have somewhere to raise my children and not in a trailer court per se, but in a, uh, a place where they could, you know, be boys. Sure. And uh, anyway, uh, I started working for Brother Otis, and uh, the Lord put on my heart. Actually, it's, it's again long story, but basically, uh, I was a, a manager at a at a factory helping to make windows and doors. And Lord put on my heart to Brother Otis come to me, and he asked me. He said, "Would you like to work with me?" And I prayed about that, and I said, uh, and the Lord told me to do that. So I quit my job and started working with Brother Otis. Well, the first week I was there working with Brother Otis, um, Brother Don Wilson, which he was a member of the church there, an yes. elderly man. And uh, he come to Brother Otis and began talking to Brother Otis about me. And to cut a long story short, he offered for uh, us to move to his land. He would pay for everything to for our trailer to be moved there and and long as we would just kind of help take care of him, basically, and his wife. And, uh, and they gave us land. And, wow. uh, and so, uh, so we thought, praise God. And it was just an answer to our prayer, everything that I'd ever wanted as a boy. And uh, my wife was happy. My, you know, my two sons at that time, we were just thrilled. I mean, we lived in the back street. I don't, you might not know where Wilson Lane's at, but uh, uh, there in, uh, in Riddleton, but anyway, uh, we went and we just love where he's living. And then God put on my heart. Now, my wife, when we first pulled up there and we we're so happy, she had prayed to the Lord, Lord, if you take it away tomorrow, I'm happy. Well, six months later, God put on my heart to come to Australia. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so after all that money's been spent, after all that time's been put into that, uh, the Lord put on my heart to go and I kept reading my Bible, and the Lord uh, gave me a Bible verse. The first thing happened was I said, Lord, if you've called me here, what am I going to do? I mean, these people spent so much money on me, and 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 they've and I agreed to do this. Lord, God, please help me. How can I do this, you know? And uh, anyway, the Lord, in the book of 2 Chronicles, there's 20, is the first passage the Lord put on my heart first. And it says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we, for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our <laughs> eyes are upon thee. Yes. And at that moment, the Lord, you know, I didn't really know what to do. I wasn't certain. And the Lord said, hey, 
don't worry about it. You need to put your eyes on me and I'll take care of things. And so that's what I did. And I kept praying, God, Lord, could you please confirm this? And I kept reading my Bible. Then I come to 2 Chronicles 26. And this may not mean anything to you, but to me, it jumped out and hit me. And it said this in 2 Chronicles 26, verse 9. It says, Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. Also, he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and the plains, husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. And when I read that passage, like the Lord took that little phrase, both in the low country and the plains, and he says, I want you to go and build some wells. I want you to go build some wells in the desert, some towers. And I want you to go tell these people in the low country about me and that they can have a place to get some fresh water. And then I read the book of Acts, chapter number eight. And the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord said to Philip, arise and go unto Gaza, <laughs> which is desert. Yeah. And uh, and so and the Lord says, I want you to rise and go and don't worry about all this stuff and I'll take care of it. And he certainly did. And, uh, you know, we got to stay, of course, during deputation uh, there at the place we were at. And we, we were able to help the uh, Wilsons out. But uh, uh, and but they were more of a help to us than we were to them, to be quite open. And sure. uh, but uh, and Brother Otis, of course, is very instrumental in our lives. And uh, actually, when I started working, Brother Otis, brother, uh, <laughs> we were working on a, an old re- an old uh, a restaurant it became known as four to two. It became a, uh, a little diner. And uh, we tore that uh, inside that restaurant out and remodeled it. And um, the first person I led to the Lord uh, was actually there in that diner. And it was because uh-huh. of Brother Otis. The chef come in there and Brother Otis began talking to him about the Lord. And uh, and he, I guess Brother Otis really was teaching me, really. And, of course, he cares about souls. And... Uh, to cut a long story short, Brother Otis had me come over there and, and finish talking to him. And with Brother Otis's help and the Lord's help, we led that chef to the Lord and he got saved. Amen. And uh, and that's just how it started. It was a real blessing, really. Yeah. Amen. And so God called me. And then after he called me, uh, confirmed it through the Word of God and um, through these passages. And uh, I was clear on it. I knew God had called me. I knew he'd called me to come to Australia at that time. And uh, and then after that, I heard the, about the first missionary to Australia, his brother John Wheat, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was actually in on furlough at the time, and uh, I got to go meet him and talk to him, and he invited me to come over and uh, to do a furlough trip with him, uh, at the ministry that he was working at, and and God just continued to confirm that over and over and over again that He wanted me to go to Australia, Amen. and that's how I got called. Yeah. Well, that's a blessing. You know, uh, folks that are listening to this wouldn't necessarily, I mean, Otis, Otis Johnston wouldn't, is not a name that necessarily would, would uh, ring a bell for most people. I, it is a joy for me to listen to that story, know to, knowing Brother Otis. I, I think sometimes, Brother, the, 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 our whole idea about missions is a little bit romanticized it's almost like a caricature we 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 it's almost like a storybook type of thing but man 
life and ministry and local church and and missions it's it's real it's just saved people doing what they what what god has told them to do brother otis's business was was uh he's just a good church member just a good christian man uh not a missionary not a preacher and yet god uses him in your life to help you to get where you're supposed to be to do a work for the lord on the other side of the world and uh, missions is full of those kinds of stories, just regular people just being just just doing what God wants them to do every day of their lives and investing in the people that that God brings to them. So that's a blessing to me. Well, uh, well, I could never, uh, I guess, express gratitude enough and the respect to have enough uh, for Brother Otis. Yes, sir. And uh, he taught me to love souls and uh, love the church. Of course, I love the church. I love souls before, but he taught me more and he taught me how. And uh, he taught me to be a man, really, to be quite open with you. Yes. And uh, and uh, a Christian man. And so I, I'm thankful for men like that all throughout the world. Uh, nobody might not know their name or know much about them, but they are making a great difference in the work Amen. of God. Amen. And the and and only the judgment seat of Christ will tell the reward that is that is reserved for those faithful saints that are just plodding along on their road doing what God's called them to do, even though it might not be as uh, dramatic as as what he's called some others to do. Well, brother, you you established your church there in Sydney, I know, through aggressive evangelistic efforts and and public ministry on some level. And I'm I'm interested to hear some about that. But before you ever traveled around the world, you'd done a significant amount of public ministry and personal work here in the States. And and I know that it is it it comes up from time to time that the Lord stirred your heart when you were in the small town of, of Carthage, Riddleton, uh, Smith County, God put it on your heart to knock every door in this County. And, That's um, true. Yes. so when you began your evangelistic efforts there, I'm curious about how, how that differed from what you had experienced here in the States doing si- this, a similar kind of evangelistic work. Okay. <laughs> well, a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I know America has changed, and I know it's not the same America that I left. Uh, but uh, when the Lord did put on my heart, okay, when again, when I went to Cornerstone, Cornerstone, of course, as you know, is very much uh, involved in missions and they're involved in trying to win souls of the Lord. And, uh, and so they did street work. They did uh, door knocking. Well, the Lord did put on my heart to... Uh, door knock every single house in Smith County. And uh, and so me and another brother and a few others began to do that systematically. Now, I guess the when, when you door knock in Smith County, at least back in those days, I don't know what it's like now, okay, but back in those days, uh, everybody saved. I mean, there's like, there's like 40 or 50 Baptist churches somewhere or another close by. They might not all be Bible believing or whatever, but there's churches everywhere. And so you're dealing with, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times it might be false doctrine of Calvinism or, or something like that. But very rarely will you meet somebody, at least I, that doesn't believe in God. Okay. And, uh, and it's not, you know, at least 
some kind of form of Christianity of some sorts. And, uh, and it might be a cult or something of that nature, but at least they had some kind of knowledge, if you will, and uh, thoughts about God. And they're not so antagonistic. Uh, well, when I come to Australia, and uh, it was totally different. And, right. and so uh, it was, I don't want any of that rubbish. Go back home, Yank. You know, we don't want to hear that bunch of rubbish and all that. And that's the kind of thing I got. Doors slammed in my face and, and just not interested. Leave me alone and, and, and things of that nature over and over and over again. And because uh, when I first come to Australia, I didn't, I didn't come to Sydney. I went actually to uh, Queanbeyan, which okay. is close to Canberra. And I helped a church. Brother Wheat has started a church. It's called Queenbeam Bible Baptist Church. That church is still going. And uh, anyway, and so he wanted me to come and uh, and to work with him there in that church at first, which is a good idea because you learn the culture, learn the people, and you sure. can learn underneath somebody that knows more than you know. And uh, so I did that. And uh, and and, and again, can't, that area is different than where I'm meeting now. <laughs> Sure. And so there's a lot of Europeans there versus not as many Europeans where we're ministering at the moment now. And uh, and so uh, it was just go back home, yanking over and over again. I don't believe that rubbish. That's all a bunch of, you know, and these types of things. And and I tell you what, brother, if I didn't know that God had called me to come to Australia, there's many times many times where I'd have packed my bags and went home. Yeah. And uh, because they didn't, they didn't really want me here. At least <laughs> most of them didn't. And that was the big difference right there. Sure. And so people, at least in Tennessee, at least in that little small area, at least they act like they're friendly and they like you. Well, it's totally opposite here at that time. <laughs> right, right. Now, with that said, you know, I I don't know how long you spent in Queen Bean before before moving down into Sydney. When when did you set out to establish Cornerstone in Sydney? Okay, so okay, so what happened was I got uh, sponsored in on a religious temporary visa, and it was a two year temporary visa. Okay, and uh, so that was underneath the church in Queenbian with the ideal I had to work underneath their leadership underneath. Uh, I was basically they were my boss, basically. And uh, and so I worked with them for a year and a half. Well, it got to getting real close to that two years about to expire. And uh, and so I began to I went to them, said, hey, listen, I need a uh, you know, I need to do something here. Well, at that time, the church didn't have all of its legal requirements in place to where they could sponsor me in for a permanent permanent uh, visa. And so I was, I guess, uh, trying to find a way by which I could stay in the country. And so I began um, looking for ways into the country. And uh, they used to, at that time, they had a mag, they had a little magazine put out by independent baptists and and uh, they had all these churches that were looking for pastors and and uh, things of that nature and uh, and i called a church in wa because i thought uh, to be real open i thought when i before i come to australia that the lord had wanted me maybe to go to wa that's western australia oh, okay. and uh and so uh 
uh, eventually to go there. And who knows? Lord may eventually get me there. I'm not sure. And uh, so I called a pastor over there at WA, an Australian pastor. And uh, I flew over. He said, yeah, you come on over. I flew over and I preached for him. It's a very, to be on with you, it's a pretty good church. And they had a lot of Australian people, loved the Lord and cared about God. And uh, anyway, uh, God blessed the, the meeting and God was doing something it felt like. And, uh, and well, God was definitely. And, uh, and then the pastor sat me down and we're talking and he asked me what I believe about the Lord's Supper. He said, do you believe in close, closed, or open? Uh, to be open, I hadn't even never heard those terminologies before. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, closed, close, and open. I don't know what you mean, really. I said, but, and he began to explain what he meant. And I said, well, this is what I believe. And I quote in the Bible, book of 1 Corinthians, where Paul says, let every man examine himself, whether you know, and so forth and so on. And that's all I did because that's all I knew. And I haven't really studied it out per se. And he he said heresy. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, he called it heresy. And uh, anyway, and, uh, and so uh, he took me to the airport. He threw my, he put my bags on the side of the curb and took off. <laughs> oh, wow. And so, so there I was. I flew back home. And here on my way home, I, here's a real blessing. I sat beside a lawyer and uh, who, uh, you know, he saw my Bible and I began to talk to him about Jesus. And anyway, that was a blessing. I got to preach the gospel to him. He didn't get saved, but he was from Sydney. And uh, anyway, and, uh, and so uh, I preached to him. He didn't get saved, like I said. And I went on back to home, which was at that time I was in Captain's Flat, which is outside of Queanbeyan, but I was still working in Queanbeyan. Uh, and uh, I still began to look. Well, I heard about a man in Sydney, and uh, I drove up here for the purpose, not so I could get him to sponsor me in, because that's not what I was looking for, but because I wanted to, uh, uh, I wanted to learn more. He was an Australian preacher, and God had used him greatly to reach Australians, and uh, reaching Australians in Australia is a little bit different. Uh, than the ministry in the states, and so I wanted to learn from him. And I, and uh, he was known for getting a lot, uh, reach a lot of people, training them. They becoming pastors, him uh, helping them start churches and things of that nature. I thought, man, this is a man I need to learn from. And so I drove up here. Uh, he, I called him first. He said I can come, and so I came. And uh, and I got lost. To be up with you, I had my had my old. Uh, uh, like bush van, and uh, I can't explain that to you. It's a lot different than in Sydney because we lived out uh, on a sheep station, which is like a farm, sure. and uh, so we lived thirty minutes outside of outside of town. And so we had a in this old van that we used, and uh, we first come to Australia, and had a we called it a rhubarb. Uh, they'd call it a bull bar. And uh, anyway, because you have to have that on there because you're going to hit a rude. You don't want it to tear up your van, so you got to have a rhubarb on. <laughs> right. and, uh, and so I drove to Sydney in that old thing, and, uh, and I drove up to a place called Castle Hill. Now, your listeners probably won't know what that is, but that's a, that's a very up-to-do kind of place in uh, Sydney. And uh, anyway, uh, that's where uh, <laughs> as I'm driving this thing, and I accidentally go a little bit too far past the light because 
it was real busy and I'm going forward and and then I'll get stuck there. And people start blowing the horns out at me and yelling at me and doing all kinds of things. And I'm thinking, what a crazy place, you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, I, I, I hate Sydney. I'm glad God has not called me to Sydney. <laughs> Famous <laughs> and, last uh, words. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, so uh, anyway, and I go to this man's house. I stay with him. It's like 40-something degrees Celsius. And it's really, really hot. And uh, and that's like a hundred and something degrees Fahrenheit, and it's just humidity is really high. And I'm thinking, man, this is a terrible place to be. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, but then uh, I find myself without a sponsor, and I want to stay in the country. Well, this man, uh, he tells me, he says, I'll sponsor you into the country. He says, on one condition, you must come to Sydney. And you must start a church in Sydney. Wow. And and I pray about it, seeking God's face and thinking, man, I don't want to do that. I want to go to Sydney, you know. And uh, anyway, and uh, and the Lord kind of says to me, I feel like the Lord puts on my heart, you submit and you go and just see what God would do. See what I'll do. And, uh, and that's what I do. And I go and uh, he, I work with this man, which is a blessing. He was a, he's a good man. And uh, anyway, and uh, I work with him and uh, he teaches me on the streets and teaches me about, you know, talking to people and how to do Bible studies with them one-on-one and that type of thing. And, uh, and then uh, he says, I want you to go to, uh, he wanted me to help a little church. There's a little church in Duneside. It was actually a little Filipino church. And, uh, and again, your listeners probably won't know where Doonside's at, but that's okay. A uh, little area, suburb of, of Sydney in the greater western uh, area of Sydney. Anyway, and so I started helping that church, and I helped them for six months. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, and I'm preaching for them, I'm teaching them, and that type of nature. And I think, you know what, I, I want to try to help this church to reach other people. And, uh, and so I go to him and say, listen, I'm wanting to, you know, let's expand this thing. Let's, let's, let's go door docking. Let's go open air ministry. Let's do something to reach people. Well, they weren't so keen on it. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, anyway, to cut a long story short, at least I say they, let me rephrase, the man who was basically running the thing. Right. And, uh and so, uh, and so anyway, I tell the pastor, uh, not the pastor, but I tell the man who sponsored me in, I say, listen, I'm not wanting to do anything. He says, oh, don't worry about it, mate. He said, let's go and start a church. And uh, so that's what we do. So mm-hmm. he helps me and me and him, we go door knocking and he is a go getter. And we're knocking doors, knocking doors. First, we go try to find a, 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 a building that we can hire. And uh, because you got to have a place to, you know, to do a church and, uh, we can't find any buildings that we can use during Sunday morning at 10 or 11. And so we find a building in a place called Rudy Hill. And uh, and we can have that building at 3 o'clock. And uh, so we started, we, we, we said, okay, let's hire that building. So we hired that building. In the meantime, we go and uh, me and him go door knocking. Uh, I mean, just really hit the doors on a regular basis. Just knock, 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 door to door to door. We lead a man to the Lord. He gets saved. I started a one-on-one Bible study with him. And uh, anyway, I've hired this building. 
And uh, I talked to him, said, listen, we're going to start a church. You want to, you know, we'd like you to be a part of it, you know, type of nature. And he says, yep, he's all for it. He's, 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 he's right, is right. He's ready to go. And, uh, and then I have some friends from a place called Kuma. And uh, your listeners won't know where that's it. That's around the Snowy Mountains. And they might, uh, anyways, it's down south. And they drive up three and a half, four hours from that area. And they come up to help me. So we letterbox that means we put little flyers in people's mailboxes, uh, announcing we're going to have a service, and we're door knocking, we're letterboxing, and, and we're doing all these things, and we have our first service, and uh, and the Lord blesses, and uh, and you know I lead some people to the Lord, and then I, I go door knocking. This guy goes back to doing his thing as a pastor because he's got his own thing to do, and. And I just continue with what I learned, and I start door knocking in my little area. I lead a man of the Lord. He gets saved, and he starts coming to church. And that's just how it grew from that, really. Yeah, yeah. so the uh, you you described the the contrast in uh, reception when you when you first went to Australia, yeah. and it was in a different area. But yeah. you didn't let up with the evangelistic efforts, and it in yeah. time it did pay off. And yeah. and uh, I guess not only the door to door evangelism, but even even open air preaching. The Lord has allowed you to see some fruit and and see actually some people saved, discipled, yeah. and in yeah. and assimilated into your local church from just a, a meeting on the street or public public evangelism yes. or door knocking or letter boxing or or school ministry. So yeah. it worked. I guess it worked. Amen. It worked. <laughs> probably, probably one of the greatest. Uh, okay, door knocking, door to door. It works, but you got to have. It works here too, but I suppose maybe like it is in the states now. I don't know, and probably certain areas in the states, you door knock ages and ages and ages. And and the Lord, if you stay faithful, He'll give you a handful on purpose, and uh, and that's what we do. But. Probably the most successful, one of the most successful, has been our open air ministry, right. and uh, that's just where we go out uh, again. Once I got here, I began to pray, Lord, I want to be able to reach these people. God, would you please show me? I want to go to where they're at, not only door to door, but I want to start something in the open air. And I began to pray, and the Lord led me. Uh, and again, this may sound different to some of your listeners. It is, I don't know, but uh, I was praying, driving around, and. And I parked, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, I parked uh, close to, uh, uh, I parked in the parking lot of an Irish pub. And uh, <laughs> anymore, anyway, I sort of felt like the Lord had led me to park. And then I got out and I began to walk uh, forward and I opened up to this great, wonderful place where there's all these public thoroughfare, where there's all these people walking back and forth from the train station to go to the uh uh, the shopping center, and Lord said, "Right here is where I want you to start," and uh, and that's what we did. And so we we first went there. I went by myself at first, just giving out some little tracks, little flowers, and uh, and uh, and then next thing you know, I had a, a man come out with me, and we just sung. That's all we did. We we started. We sung. We sung the word. We sung uh, the old gospel hymns, and it was kind of funny. Just me and. Uh, uh, this man is older man, and uh, we're singing the gospel hymns, and these two ladies go by, and and they're listening, and then they come back out, and we stopped by that time. They said, "Why'd you stop? That was so good. Keep on." <laughs> <laughs> so you know that was like our second or third time uh, to go out there, and then we progress from there to actually preaching, 
and uh, and God bless that. We've seen a lot of people saved from that ministry, yeah. and uh, we start Bible study with them in their homes a lot of times first, and uh, and then we get them in church. And God's mm. just blessed that ministry. That and uh, also uh, letterboxing has been very very effective. I do hope that you've enjoyed the program today. As I conclude this first part of my interview with Brother Gaddis, I'd like to take just a little bit more liberty than usual in following up with a particular element that showed up in today's interview, perhaps more clearly than it ever has before in the course of these conversations. As I mentioned at the outset of this program, Brother Philip is the longest serving foreign missionary raised up and sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church the first of 13 foreign workers that call Cornerstone and Carthage their home church. Believe it or not, there is not a major emphasis on surrendering to foreign mission service at Cornerstone, at least not the kind of emphasis that you might expect with that concentration of foreign missionaries out of the same church. The major emphasis is actually upon down-to-earth, real-life Christianity, walking with God, being a personal witness, having a Christian home, etc., But the Lord has blessed that emphasis with more and more men surrendering to take the gospel of Christ to the uttermost parts of the earth. One of the things that I loved about this particular conversation was Brother Gaddis's grateful and even affectionate references to Otis Johnston and Don Wilson. Brother Wilson went to heaven before I was introduced to Cornerstone, but Brother Otis is still very much a fixture here. He's a loving elder statesman whose faith and faithfulness have allowed him to see his family fill multiple pews, including multiple generations, every single week at our church. He's virtually adopted some of the displaced families that have moved here to be a part of what God is doing. That includes my family. He's been like a grandfather to my wife and a great-grandfather to my small children. I realize that Brother Otis Johnston was not the centerpiece of this conversation about missions in Australia, But at least part of this interview served as a poignant reminder to me that men like Philip Gaddis would not serve in places like Sydney, Australia, if men like Otis Johnston did not serve in places like Riddleton, Tennessee. It's not difficult to understand why Philip Gaddis, as a church planter in Sydney, Australia, would get more attention for his role in the Great Commission than Otis Johnston as a faithful church member in Carthage, Tennessee. But I didn't want to miss the opportunity to point out the fact that the Great Commission requires both men faithfully discharging their respective ministries, and only the judgment seat of Christ will reveal the difference that the seemingly lesser role has played in bringing honor and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope that you'll join us for the second part of this interview with Brother Philip Gaddis next time on Great Commission Conversations. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts. And if it's been a blessing to you, feel free to invite others to tune in. I always welcome your feedback. You can write to me at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it wherever that may be. 